Many people see science and religion as opposites. Science encourages thinking, and religion encourages faith, right? Well, I think it's far more interesting than that. We just need to discuss the important role of doubt. Join with me as we discuss science and religion. Hi, Paul Shepard here, and welcome to the podcast. You know, some people think that having faith means believing a bunch of things that you know are impossible. But here at Rational Christianity, we take a rational approach to understanding the Christian faith. We combine history, science, the Bible, common sense, and an understanding of human nature to make Christianity make sense. Everyone is welcome here. You may have heard it said that religion and science are incompatible because science is about having questions that might never be answered, and religion is about having answers that must never be questioned. And while I love the play on words in that idea, I do not agree with it. I realize that for some people, faith means believing things that you cannot prove. And that is actually a very popular and traditional view of faith. The basic idea makes sense, actually. The idea is that while science answers many questions, there are still many things we do not understand. And so we rely on God and or the Bible to explain those things. 2,000 years ago, God and the Bible provide answers to questions on many subjects, including cosmology, astronomy, fertility, agriculture, and medicine. This way of understanding God has been called the God of the Gaps, because God and the Bible were used to fill in any gaps in human knowledge. If there was something that science did not know, then people just assumed that God did it, and therefore the Church must have the answer. It's simple. Of course, over the centuries, scientific knowledge has expanded, while the Bible has remained essentially static. So the God of the gaps was forced to shrink over time. We simply do not have as many gaps in our knowledge as we used to. The Church has not always appreciated advances in science because it was sometimes seen as a way to reduce the importance of God. I'm reminded of the story of the German physicist, mathematician, and theologian Johannes Kepler, born in 1571. Kepler's study of astronomy was driven largely by his belief that God created the cosmos in an orderly fashion, and that caused Kepler to attempt to determine and comprehend the laws that govern the natural world, and most profoundly in his case, in astronomy. This is summarized in a phrase that is at least attributed to Kepler that says, I am merely thinking God's thoughts after him. In spite of his piety, Kepler was excommunicated from the church in 1613 because he believed that the moon was a solid body. Lutheran theologians at the time had decided the moon could not be a solid body because in the Bible the moon is referred to as a, quote, lesser light to rule the night, quote. And since the moon was a light, they thought it could not be solid. Kepler used his sight and his insight to look for the creator of the heavens in the heavens themselves. His observations led to a number of theories, as well as to the conclusion that the moon must in fact be solid. And for using his God-given sight and insight, Kepler was ejected from the church. Open-minded doubters that ask interesting questions have frequently come afoul of church leaders who prefer simplistic answers. In 1633, the scientist Galileo was condemned by the Catholic Church 
because he believed that the sun was the center of the universe, not the earth, as the church believed at that time. Using the then-new invention called a telescope, Galileo could only make sense of the phases of Venus if the sun was assumed to be at the center of the universe. The phases of Venus make no sense if the earth was assumed to be the center of the universe. I confess I find this a very interesting story, because the belief that the earth was the center of the universe was not biblical anyway. And moreover, the location of the center of the universe does not really affect anybody on a day-to-day basis, other than a handful of scientists. And yet, Galileo was condemned by the church. I suspect the basic issue was that Galileo had simply closed off a gap that had previously been reserved for God. Or perhaps the church saw Galileo as a thin edge of the wedge and wanted to discourage other people from thinking. Also in the 1600s, René Descartes, the French philosopher, realized the great value of doubt. He reasoned that while many things we think are real might be imaginary, the very act of doubting one's existence served, at a minimum, as proof of the reality of one's own mind. This led to the famous expression, dubito ergo cogito ergo sum, usually translated as, I doubt, therefore I think, therefore I am, which is usually shortened to simply, I think, therefore I am. And it's kind of too bad that we usually shorten it, because we remove the importance of doubt from the process. Descartes would not have got anywhere if he had not first been honest about his own doubts. And long before Descartes, the Roman statesman Cicero famously said, ubi dubium ibi libertas, which means where doubt exists, There is freedom. You know, later Jesus said that the truth will set us free, but apparently so will doubt. Who knew? It's almost as if doubt can lead to truth. And to be clear, I'm speaking about positive doubt. I'm going to unpack that very soon. Science finds great value in doubt, and I personally believe that religion can find value in doubt too. But of course, traditionally, religion has not been a big fan of doubt because doubt and faith have been seen as opposites. Doubt has been connected with having questions, and faith has been connected with having answers. But to me, science and theology both do better when reality and doubt are integrated into the conversation. I am both a minister and a scientist. People sometimes ask me how that works, and I say it works very well. I mean, for me at least although I admit I have a certain amount of sympathy for my congregations, because I do recognize how my own approach to faith might differ from yours. And you know, that isn't bad, of course. It's an opportunity for both you and me to learn from each other. For me, faith is not about believing things that I cannot prove. Faith is simply embracing that we are not alone, that we are connected to each other and to something beyond ourselves that we are called to love each other, that we are called to care for each other. And for me, that seems to be enough to help me navigate life. When doubt is open-minded and uncertain, then doubt is usually a positive thing. Open-minded doubt springs from the realization that life can be understood and perhaps made better. We should applaud doubters. Let us all applaud the doubter who first said, Well, what if the earth is not flat? Let us praise the doubter who first said, Here's an idea, 
let's let women vote. Or in more religious terms, let us celebrate all the doubters over the years who have said, hang on a minute, if all people are children of God, do we really have to kill each other? Doubt of the status quo can help us evolve and mature, as individuals and as a society. Perhaps doubt can even be a catalyst to strengthen our faith. The doubt that is helpful, the doubt that is liberating, the doubt that gives life is open-minded and uncertain. Doubt, liberating doubt, actually calls us to deepen our faith because it forces us to grapple with our faith. And that type of doubt, I say, is a spiritual gift. Here's a fun fact. If it were not for doubt, I would not have become a minister. It was not my faith that led me into ministry. It was my doubt. It was my questions about Christianity that drove me into the seminary. Well, that and my love for the church. I had a lot of questions, and I decided I needed to find some answers. I still remember walking into the Emmanuel College Seminary my first day with the idea that over time I would take every single question I had about Christianity into that building, because it was probably the best shot I would have in my entire life to find answers to questions of faith. As for asking questions in seminary, I quickly learned that Emmanuel College was a pretty good place to ask questions of faith. But even there, there were limits. It turns out that seminary professors are actually human beings. Some of the professors were natural doubters themselves, and you could ask them anything, and they always had the most interesting answers. Other professors were not natural doubters, but they helped me too, by helping me understand human nature better. They helped me to learn how to deal with close-minded people in positions of authority. In any case, I state boldly that a doubt, meaning positive, open-minded, hopeful doubt, is a spiritual gift. And if that's true, then very likely some of us have the gift and others do not. Scientists have made that observation many times, getting their knuckles wrapped for discovering things that church authorities did not like. This is a fairly long-winded way of saying that the main difference, traditionally at least, between science and religion is that in science you're allowed to ask questions and you're allowed to have theories that evolve over time. But I think the church is slowly catching up, because these days in church we are allowed to ask questions, at least in my church, and our own theology has evolved along the way. You know, 40 years ago, non-Christians were often considered heathens. Today, non-Christians are considered friends, neighbors, community partners. The gap between religion and science is definitely shrinking in our own lifetime, and I find that very exciting. Doubt is a spiritual gift. Embrace your own open-minded, positive doubt and see where it takes you. Amen. Hi again, and thanks for joining in today. I'm Rev. Dr. Paul Shepard, a minister with the United Church of Canada, currently serving at Sydenham Heritage United Church in Brantford, Ontario. I'm also an environmental scientist with a PhD in physics. I am passionate about making Christianity make sense. Please subscribe to the channel, and feel free to visit the church, either in person or online. You might also enjoy my book, Evolving Christianity, which is about taking a scientific, rational approach to Christianity in order to fight racism and other social diseases. I hope you have a great day. We'll see you next time.